0: good morning everyone good morning. it's a wonderful privilege to be here and I do just firstly want to say I send love from my wife and my kitties as well I wish they could have come but we've um, we've been through the mills the past few days so there's a bit of a sickness that sort of spread through our ass and it seems like the rest of the, the Western Cape as well everyone's getting some some sort of sickness at the moment um, so last time I don't I can't remember when last I was here but it was a couple of months ago Gton and I were speaking about it maybe nine months or I'm not sure. At that stage, we had uh, two twin girls, Lenka and Clara. They are now just over two years old. They are beautiful, wonderful little girls. And uh, now we've got a third little one, um, Ali. Yes, she was born about two months ago, eight weeks today exactly. <laughs> Pastor's kids, born on Sundays, all of them. <laughs> so yeah, she was born just eight weeks ago. So um, yeah, so things are, things are a bit rough at home at the moment, but we, we praise God. She's a little bundle of joy. And uh, people say to me that I'm very brave, having three children in about two years. I say I'm not brave, I'm just a bad planner. That's all. That's all it is. We planned one of our three children. That's what we did. <laughs> we planned one, then we had two, and then we didn't plan and we got another. But we praise God anyway. In God's eyes, they are planned. <laughs> all of them. All of us, say. Eh? So I'm going to... Um, Yeah, and just also love from um, Stellenbosch PM, I had people that would have come with me, but I think they went to the wrong Durbanville, (laughs) Josh, to be honest, I just sent them a message now, which Durbanville church are you at? (laughs) So apologies for that as well, that I'm on my own, Um, but it does feel like family, I've known many of you for a long time, Ginter especially, Um, a long, long time, we've suffered together, we had a little business at some stage together, so I know lots of people here, and so it's a wonderful privilege to be here. This morning, I want to speak about passing your tests, uh, passing your tests. So there's nothing on there. So if you want to remember or you want to write down, you don't have to. But I want to speak about the fact that we are all called to actually pass our tests. And uh, we did mention earlier, Ant mentioned earlier, that I lead the Stellenbosch PM now congregations, basically. It's a 4 p.m. and a 6 p.m. Uh, and we're in two venues that just recently happened. And so we've, it's, it's an interesting space in Stellenbosch where especially our 6 p.m. congregation is full of students. The other one has a few more families and young working. But our 6 p.m. church is basically a bunch of students. And the last while, I um, have had coffee with various of them. And I just decided to find out how clever they really are. Because people tell me it's the cream of the crop. You've got Ginter here that, um, that basically did his PhD in half a year or something. <laughs> like really clever. And I I asked one of them, because they, they're studying actuarial science, so you must be quite good at maths. So I said, how much did you get for maths? Did you get, did you get 100%? No, 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 not 100. How much? 99%. Okay, <laughs> okay, 99% for maths. Then I went to the other one. How much did you get? No, also 99%. And then this week, I had coffee with one of the young guys, and I, I asked him, um, he's studying engineering, and I said to him, how much did you get for maths? And he said, no, in the 90s. But, that, but he, he sort of, you know, when someone slides, it's, it's a humble brag. You just want to say, but it wasn't my best subject, right? <laughs> okay, what was your best subject? It was science. Okay, and how much did you get for science? 100% for science. And then suddenly, I feel very small. <laughs> and like, I don't know what I'm going to speak to this young guy about, but obviously, God is different. But you know what? Even if those guys are extremely clever, if their intellect has not been tested, I would not... Stand on it. You can study engineering, you can be brilliant, and you can be a mathematician at school and be incredibly clever. If you decide to study engineering, before you've got your degree, it's been signed off, and you've gone through all the proper tests, I will not walk over or drive over a bridge that you built. I don't know about you, but I would not do that. Because what's in you, the, 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 the stuff is in you. There's still a lot to learn, but there's a lot in you. But what's in you hasn't been refined and it has not been tasted. And in the same way, I believe that for all of us, every person sitting here, whether you've been a Christian for a very long time, or whether you recently became a Christian, or even if you're sitting here and you're not a Christian yet, and I'm trusting that even today God would reach into your life, wherever you are, I do believe that God wants to use you. And He's put raw potential in you. He's made you different than everyone else sitting in this room. And for some of you, you think, well, I'm not a 100% science person. And, and that's not the point. The point is God has deposited something unique and special in each of you, and He wants to use you in His body. But the only way in which you can function in His body in the way that He wants you to function in the church and be as effective as He wants you to be in the church is if what is in you gets tasted. And so God needs to take us through our lives, through a time of refinement, a time of learning, and a time of testing, in order that we can be as effective as He wants us to be for His kingdom. And I want to say, just looking at you guys and looking at this congregation, God has big things planned for you as individuals, big things planned for this congregation. But what we need to do is say, God, my hand is up, come and work in me so that you can start working through me. And sometimes I think we run away from that. So what I'd like to do is, if if you go through the Bible... And you look at all the major figures, basically all the major figures, you'll see a pattern starting to emerge uh, in the Bible. And it's really interesting. And you'll see that before people really get used by God to the extent that God wanted to use them, now let me just pause there. God can use you even before you test it, right? You can be clever at maths and you can tell me what one plus one is, that's fine. God will use you. But to the extent that he wants to use you, you'll see a pattern emerging throughout the Bible that before God really puts someone into their public ministry, releases them in the way that he wants to, he takes them through a time of testing. I'll go to a few of them later. David, Peter, you know, Jesus is the one that I want to speak about today. But you can, you can go through, read through your Bible. You'll see it's all over. It's a, it's a pattern in the Bible. So what I'd like to do is I want to go through the time of Jesus's testing, because Jesus is an example to us. And And he gives us this interesting story in Matthew 4, and we're just basically going to go through the the story in Matthew 4 of Jesus' time of testing in the wilderness. And it's interesting, if you look at the Bible, you look at the Gospels, the the books that were written about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that the way that that information got there was by first-hand experiences. So meaning, people were around Jesus, and they saw Jesus doing something, And then because they saw it, they wrote it down. But this story in Matthew 4 was seen by no one else but Jesus. But Jesus decided that it's worth telling because all of us are going to go through something similar. So even if no one saw it, he decided he's going to tell his disciples because he wants it written down, because he knows it's going to be important for us. And so it's an important text of Scripture, Jesus going into the wilderness and being tested by God to show himself as the one that can uh, that can succeed in the test. And as we go through it, I want you to know that, yes, it's Jesus. And if you were wondering, Jesus passes the test. Okay. It's, uh, it's one of those, I'll tell you the end before we get to the beginning. Okay. Jesus does pass the test. And many times in our lives, we don't pass the test, right? I can, I can attest to it from my life. Many times I haven't passed the, passed the test. Many times I feel like I still don't pass the test. But it does not mean that we cannot learn from Jesus yet, because he's modeling something to us, and he's showing us how to go through a test in life in the ideal way. You with me? Okay. So let's go through it. I want to start before the start. Now, those of you who know this story in Matthew 4, it's basically Jesus, before he goes into his public ministry, the Holy Spirit, I'll get to all of this, we'll go through the scriptures. But the Holy Spirit takes him for 40 days into the wilderness to be tested and tempted by the devil. And it's really interesting because many of us, when we think about a time of testing or tempting or trial that we go through, I'll speak about the word later, we, we think that it's, it's, it's because God is not pleased with us. And I want to contend with you as we start that I actually think it's exactly the opposite. When I became a Christian, I thought it was going to be amazing. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> I thought it was going to be smooth sailing. I thought I was going to wake up the next day and the grass was going to be greener. The the sky was going to be bluer. All the promises of God would suddenly manifest in my life. And then I realized that Christianity is not as easy as I thought it was. Anyone with an amen there? Okay. It's not as easy as I thought it was. And many times we fall into the temptation to go through a time of testing and not see God's hand Or see God's hand as one that is punishing us in that moment. And I think what we do then is we miss out on the fact that it is a loving God saying, I want to make you more than you are. And the only way to do that is to take you through a tough time. So let let me read to you Jesus in Matthew 3, verse 16 to 17. This is before he goes into his time of testing. And when Jesus was baptized, this is like the pinnacle of of his life before his ministry. If there was the cross is the ultimate pinnacle, these would be, this would be one of the pinnacles. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So the starting block for us is... The next verses are going to speak about Jesus going into a time of testing. But the starting block for us is, it is not because God is angry. It is not because God is not involved in your life. It is not because He doesn't care. It is exactly the opposite. It is because He cares. And He cares more about your heavenly life, your eternal life, than He cares about your earthly life. And so He's willing to make your earthly life difficult so that you can be healthy in your spiritual life. He cares more about that. And I think we just so, so often get this wrong. Revelation 3.19 says, those whom I love. Just want to say it once again. Those whom I love. It's those whom God loves. I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. If you believe that God loves you, I sometimes joke with the students uh, if they... If they want to get tattoos, I say, you're not allowed to get John 6, 3.16 tattooed on you. No Jeremiah 29.11. You're not allowed to get that tattooed on you. I want some hardcore scriptures tattooed on you. Something like, those whom God loves, He reproves and disciplines. <laughs> you want to speak the love of God over your life? Then say, amen, amen, God will reprove and discipline me because He loves me. It is a sign of God's love that sometimes your earthly life is not easy. I'm hoping that breaks a few boxes for you. You see, the modern church is teaching exactly the opposite. The modern church is saying, name it, claim it, get your blessing in God. And God is saying, I don't care so much about your earthly blessing. I care about your spiritual life and what you can do to glorify me on the earth. That is what I care about. Health and wealth and those things, it's good. We serve a good God and he gives it to us. It's not like he only takes us through suffering. He blesses us abundantly. But in our abundant blessing that we receive from God, He also takes us through times of difficulty. And we need to see the hand of a loving God in our time of difficulty. And I think preachers need to mention their times of difficulty more often. Because otherwise we listen to messages and we think the guys standing in front are just close to perfect. I'm losing a bit of air, so that's the only thing that will make me not... (laughs) will make them close to perfect. But in actual case, that is not the truth. It is so far from the truth. I think the church needs to be exposed to a robust Christianity where it says it is not always easy, but I serve a loving God. It is not always easy. I'm, I mean, circumstances at the moment, as you can imagine, it's, it's quite difficult for me at the moment. It's difficult for me to get to God, to spend time with God. I'm trying. I'm pressing in. But many times I fail. To get to God every day, I'm struggling at the moment. We're not sleeping a lot. Parents will know what I'm speaking about. Last night at about 2 a.m., I was in a room with our girls. We had to switch on the light and start over and get books out, and and then finally we went to bed. Maybe an hour later, and then the other baby started coughing. And like life is not always easy, right? And it has a bearing on your Christianity, and then your Christianity is not always easy. And then sometimes I come to church and I'm dead tired. I don't, I I don't, can I say this? Sometimes I don't want to be there. (laughs) I want to be in bed sleeping. I don't always feel like it. I go through tough times. Three years ago, I went through church discipline because of sin that came out in my life. Things are not always easy. God takes us through seasons where we have to deal with the gunk that is in us so that he can make us who he is calling us to be. And Christianity needs to be robust enough to not try and grow churches out of a health and wealth prosperity gospel. The gospel is not that. So let's look at the following verses. Just after God has this intimate moment with His Son, where He says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 4 verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was not led by the devil, and I want to go get into a few nitty-gritties a bit later, so we're going to have to put our thinking caps on, because understanding temptation and trial is not an easy thing to understand. It's one question that many people ask in this world. If there's a loving God, why all the suffering in the world, right? It's a difficult, complex question that we need to answer. But firstly, as we start, we realize the first thing we need to see that although, yes, we're going to get to it, the devil is involved in the suffering of your life. Your stupidity is involved in the suffering of your life. I'm sure I can get a lot of amens there. Your own stupidity is involved. But above that, the ultimate hand guiding all of it is the hand of God in the difficulties of your life. Somehow he works with your stupidity. Somehow he works with the devil. I'll get to that in a moment. Somehow he uses all of those things for his purposes because he is a bigger God than we can ever imagine. And he orchestrates things in your life, but it's him at the end of the, at, at the, end of the time. It is him doing it ultimately. And so if we only say the devil... Then when we go through a tough time, all we'll say is, please pray for me. There's a demon attacking me. And deliverance becomes the thing that we chase after all the time. Yes, I believe in deliverance, but it's not all there is. Oh, my health is struggling. Please, there must be a demon. Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) Okay? Oh, I lost my job. Satan must be attacking me. Maybe, maybe not. Right? We have to look at what temptation and trial is. Ultimately, we have to say, God, I don't know what's causing this. But I want to know, what are you doing in this time? What are you doing in my time of testing? And I just want to say this before I go any further. The question is not, uh, someone, someone once said, I, we had this duemini uh, in the church that I came from, that I gave my life to Jesus. Uh, to, he, he had this message that I'll never forget. It's probably the one message that I'll never forget. Or just this one line. He said, you're either coming out of a storm, or you are currently in a storm, or you are about to go into a storm right? You're either coming out of a time of temptation, you're currently in one, or you're about to go in one. And as I've gotten to know God, I want to say, I don't think that's totally the truth. I want to say, I think you are always in a time of temptation. (laughs) You're always in a time of trial. It's different, and it's different aspects of your life, but it is always there. It is always there. And ultimately, it's the hand of God even doing that. Let me show you some more scripture just to confirm, because some of you will think, surely it can't be God if I lost my job. Surely it can't be God if whatever. And it's not always. It's nuanced. We'll get to the nuance just now. But I just want to start by firstly showing you the involvement of God. John 6 verse 6. Jesus said this to test him. So here comes Jesus and Jesus is testing someone. For he himself knew what he would do. He tested him so that he could fail. (laughs) Just, Just look at that. Jesus said this. To test him, for he knew what he would do, meaning he knew that he was going to fail when he tested him. God will even come into your life to help you, show you that you are too weak and you are going to fail, so that you can cry out to him and say, God, I'm weak. God will even do that. I think I'm breaking boxes. I think so, and that's a good thing. Hebrews 11, verse 17a. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, and by inference, if you read the context, it is by God, offered up Isaac. God asked him to offer his only son. God did that. God is involved in the tests of our lives. So let's dig into to testing a little bit. Because now the question is, okay, but how does this actually work? Where is the devil involved? Where is my sin involved? And where is God involved? The, the, and this is not to sound clever. This is just because I really couldn't understand it. So I did a lot of research to try and understand this. I don't understand Greek. I don't understand biblical Greek, but I understand people who understand it. Okay? So I was able to go read up on this. But the word for testing in your Bible, if you open up most of your Bibles, the, it's the word testing or tempting or trial, all three of those words. In the Greek, it is exactly the same word. It's never a different word. It is the word pairazo or pairasmos, depending on, on the context in which it is used, Peirazo. And then it's so interesting because when you read a couple of scriptures, it says that the devil is the one to payrazo us. He comes and he brings payrazo across our path. And what Bible translators would many times do is they would translate it when the devil is involved, they would say it is tempting, not tasting, tempting, right? And then at other points, when we see it's God payrazoing, then we say it is tasting or trial, But in actual fact, I'm not saying they're wrong. I think they're trying to help us distinguish, but it is exactly the same word. And then what's really interesting is there's a scripture, and you just saw what I showed you here. God does pay raso us, amen? Okay, I don't know if I've got the scripture here, but there's a scripture, uh, I didn't write it down, that says God does not pay raso us, (laughs) but he does, but he does not. So how does that work? And what I found is, I try to really dig into it to understand it, is every single temptation or trial or difficult thing that comes into your life, that comes across your path, there's an element of all three involved at the same time. What happens is, I quickly want to read you an example of this just so we can understand it better. Satan is not allowed to touch you except if God gives him permission. So Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to bring payrazo across your path so that you can fail and turn from God. That is his desire. God wants to bring payrazo across your path so that you can see your weakness, repent of your weakness, and build on him. Build your life on him. That's what God wants to do. So what happens is the devil will come before God and he will ask, is it okay if I do this? And God needs to allow it. There's a book that I saw recently. I didn't read it. It's called God's Devil. Meaning the devil is subject to God. He cannot do anything but if God would give him permission. The reformers, I think it was Martin Luther who said, the devil is like a dog on a leash that God is holding. He can only do and only go where God allows him to go. So let me, let me quickly give you an example of this. Luke 22 verse 31 to 34. And just please follow me here. This is, um, I don't want to lose you here. But this is another time where temptation takes place. And it's really good if we learn out of this. We're going to go back to Jesus' story just now. But this is where Luke or Simon, uh, Simon or, um, or Peter, sorry, Peter gets tested. Peter is the Apostle Peter, right? And his other name is Simon. And it basically says, Peter, Peter, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you Like wheat. I'm going to get back to the sifting of wheat just in a moment. What does Satan want to do with you when he brings difficulties over your life? He wants to sift you like wheat. And Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus is effectively saying it's just like Job. The devil comes before the father and says, may I do this to Job? And and God says, yes, you can, but only this far. You may not touch him right? This is what hap- what's happening here. And now the devil will go into Peter's life and he is going to try and crush Peter. But Jesus knows better. Jesus says, yes, that test will come upon your life. When I look at that test, I see the end result and I see you succeeding. I see you coming through it. I see you growing. I see you becoming one, what? That can strengthen your brothers. I will use this test to strengthen you to a point that you can even strengthen others. That's what I want to do here. And so sifting, I, the interesting thing with sifting is the devil wants to sift. So it's interesting. I went to have a look at this. So sifting, uh, there's two components of sifting like wheat when you look at the, the New Testament. There is something you call winnowing and something you call threshing. So firstly, you thresh. So you take the wheat, and if you thresh it, the Bible speaks of a threshing floor. You throw all of the wheat on the floor, and you stomp on it. You literally stomp on it so that the sheaves can come off of it that's threshing then winnowing when you when you want to get the wheat when you want the actual wheat kernels but you don't want all the fluff with it then when there's a strong wind you throw it into the floor so you've got a type of rake and you throw it into the into the into the air and when the wind blows it blows off all the parts that are not wheat and only the wheat remains okay so the the little flaky parts They go away. So how I see it, and this is reading into the Bible a little bit, but I see it that when there is a test, the devil is involved. What the devil wants to do is he wants to crush you. He wants to make you doubt God. He wants to say God does not love you. He doesn't care for you. Turn away from God. Curse him. Bless him. Forget about him or make something else more important than God. That is what he wants to try and do. But what God wants to do is he says, don't take your eyes off the prize. What I'm doing is I'm throwing into the air. I'm letting the wind of my spirit come and blow away that which is of the flesh so that only that which is of God can remain. That's what God wants to do. It's the same act. It's the same test. It's the same trial. It's the same thing, sifting like wheat. The devil has one purpose. God has another purpose. So who are you going to listen to? (laughs) Where are you going to go when times get tough? Will you turn away from God? I think I'm going to... Move on from there. Because the beautiful thing is, Jesus, as we know, he succeeded in this test. We, may, we many times fail. And I want to just mention for a moment briefly that even in your failure, I just showed it to you earlier, God sometimes wants you to fail. That breaks my mind. He wants you to fail so that you can see you are not as strong as you thought you were. So that you can see how much you actually need God. So, if you failed, don't come to this message today and say, Well, I listened to that, but I failed so many times. Praise the Lord that you failed. (laughs) Praise the Lord that you are weak and He is strong. Praise the Lord that now you know how much you need to depend on Him when that test comes again. Praise the Lord. Right? But Jesus didn't fail. Let me show you Hebrews 4, verse 15. Um, It says, For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows the testing and the trial. He was tempted like that in the, in the wilderness. But one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus showed us that it is possible to hold on to the truth and not fall into sin. But even when we do, he knows the temptation and the trial. And we can cry out to him and say, God, I'm weaker than I thought. I'm going to go to the next verse. I'm not going to go through all the ways in which Jesus was tempted. There were ways in which he fought. And you can go read Matthew 4 for yourself. He fought with Scripture. He fought with truth, right? That is the way. He stood on the truth of God. But I want to show you that because he passed his test, he went from private to public ministry. And in the same way, if we can see our test as a God thing, God can use us so much more. Matthew 4, verse 17. Just after his testing. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, his life was leading up to, for the first 30 years of his life, everything was building up to the fact that he was going to preach the gospel of God. That is what his life purpose was about. 30 years he worked as a carpenter. 30 years he followed his parents. 30 years he just went through a normal life. And the changing point, the moment where it all changed was when he went into the wilderness for 40 days and the devil tempted him and he came out successful. That is when God said, all right, now, my son, now start preaching the gospel. Now start moving in the power of God. And in the same way, I'm not saying we're going to all pass our tests all the time, but we need to be those people to say, like, God, I want that. I want to be the one to not fail under my tests. I want to be the one to hold on to your promises, to say that you are good, even if everything else tells me that you are not good. I want to be that one. I'm going to just end with this. But if we look through the Bible, I say this is a common thread, and I want to bring it back to us. But Peter is one of my heroes, and it, as we look at the Bible, we see that Peter had to be tested with failure. God wanted to let Peter fail, right? And, and listen to this. God said to Peter, Jesus said to Peter, three times you will deny me, and then you will realize that actually you're not as strong as you thought, right? Then God sends three people to him to show him how much he still needs God. God will bring you to a point of failure so that you can cry out to him, because one of your biggest dangers in your life is your strength and not your weakness, and he will allow you to see that your strength is not as strong as you thought. He allowed Peter to get tested with failure. And to want to turn from his relationship with God. Before he started using him as an apostle and a church leader. David had to be tested with women. Right? He failed his test with Bathsheba. But after his failure he succeeded. Because he realized that he failed. He realized his weakness. And he cried out to God. Psalm 51. With, uh, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And he turned back to God. And then God could use him as the king that he wanted him to be. He had to fight the lion. He had to fight the bear. To become the king that God wanted him to be. Told Paul had to Paul the apostle had to be tested with humility. God makes him blind. God brings a problem across his path. Remember? Like we say God can't bring sickness, and I'm not saying all sickness is of God, right? But hear me out. God makes Paul blind. Blindness is a sickness. And Paul says the only way that you can see again is if you would be humble enough to go to a Christian and let them pray for you. Find your healing in the hands of another. It's not going to be by praying or fasting or being the Paul, the strong Paul. It's going to be by going to Ananias and saying, please pray for me, I'm blind. That's the test that Paul had to face before he could become the, God, the man that God wanted him to be. Man, maybe that's your test. Maybe that's weakness in you. Maybe there's, there's failure in you. There's blindness. There's, there's things that's difficult. And maybe you are at a point where you think, I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying. And God is saying, oh, but you're trying in your own strength. I've put you around people. My test is that you will reach out to people and say, please, you help me. Abraham offered, his test was that he had to offer that which he loved most in order to become the father of many nations. God will test you, he'll bring you to a point to lay down that which is more important than him. Your children. I don't think God will ask us to sacrifice our children like that again. I think it was a one once thing in the Bible. But spiritually, God will ask us to do that. If your children's sports and academics and your life that's just too busy gets in the way of serving God, God will come and knock on that door. He will come and knock on that door until you see that you need Him and need to repent of that. He will come and do that. Your job. Is your job more important than the kingdom of God? Finances. Are you awake at night thinking about finances or are you actually thinking about the things of God? God will bring those things to show you that you need to cry out to Him. The Israelites had to believe in God's promises, even though they were in a dry desert for 40 years. Maybe you've been in a very long time of drought. Maybe your relationship with God has been difficult for the longest time. Will you, like the Israelites, fail and forget the promises of God? Or will you say, my God is good, even if it's 40 years, I will cling on to the God of the Bible. So just as we as we end you know what the interesting thing is um and this is so interesting and I wish I could I, I wish I saw something else in the Bible but Jesus was actually strengthened not during his time of trial but after his time of trial <laughs> and in a big sense I want to say hey if you're going through the mills if you're going through a very tough time come come let let us ask God to come and minister to you in this moment and Maybe he will, but I see that with Jesus, actually he had to go through it, and then he was ministered to by God. So I wish I could tell you, let's come pray for you, your test will go away. I don't think that's what I see in the Bible. But what we can pray for is strength to stand. And we can stand alongside you if you need to repent and say, God, I forgot who you are. I've been blaming the devil, I've been blaming myself, but I forgot that you are involved in my test. We can stand next to you and just say, sorry, Lord, and please strengthen this brother or strengthen this sister in this time of difficulty that they're going through. And for some of you, that might be extremely difficult. You lost a loved one. You you lost your job. It might be extremely difficult. For some of you, you might be standing here and think, other people have more important or more difficult things to go through. That's not the point. Your most difficult thing is your most difficult thing, right? (laughs) And someone else's most difficult thing is their most difficult thing. We can't compare it with each other. We just need to say, God, I am going through something that is difficult for me. And I'd love us if the brothers and sisters can come around us and say, God, strengthen this brother or sister to go through this time of testing so that they can stand and keep their eyes on you. So if you're brave enough, and actually I want to say this is maybe part of your test, to say, I'd like pray for my time of testing at the moment, can I ask you to just raise your hand where you are? it's so many I think what we do is if there's a hand up maybe just put your hand on those people around you just keep your hand up if there's um, if there's people around you and I think to to a large extent all of us need to cry out eh? so maybe let's just take a moment and pray for these people wherever you are just pray for them take two or three minutes reach out to them pray for them